The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Hello, everyone. And today we'll begin a new series, five-part series. And this uh, week it'll be Right Effort. I gave the talk yesterday morning on this topic, so some of this will be repeating it. And, um, but I've been appreciating lately quite a bit uh, renewed uh, understanding of right effort, that value, greater appreciation for it and uh, the importance of it. And uh, <clears throat> there is a bit, it's a right effort. Uh, the word effort for some of us uh, at some point, at least for me at one point, uh, was probably something I didn't care for or worse because uh, I interpret effort as being uh, somehow um, a strain. That, so you have to kind of apply more effort than's needed if you're making effort. And um, I'm a person who enjoys doing uh, kind of a lot of things I do, physical work I enjoy doing and mental work I enjoy doing. And the doing of it, I don't think of as effort. Uh, The word, or I didn't used to, the word effort to me means you do it, but then you do it with more more force. And uh, which causes a strain or being tired. So I, I historically, I, I didn't have a very kind of much relationship to this, um, uh, what's the sixth factor of the Eightfold Path because of the, the word effort was being used. Um, I, vow, when, when I heard a teacher talk about right effort being right engagement. Then I had a better feeling for it, that you, you, this is how you engage, what you engage in. And um, sometimes it's called a right endeavor. And that means, uh, that kind of, I interpret that to mean, this is the right activity. So what's the right activity? And it's, right effort has to do with mind. What's the right mental activity that we're involved in when we do meditation? And these alternatives to effort, uh, uh, engagement, endeavoring, um, uh, activity, they, uh, they for me, kind of uh, protect me from uh, straining or making forceful effort. But I'll use the word right effort, and perhaps uh, this uh, series should go coming along with a big, you know, warning that says, warning, these teachings uh, might cause over-efforting. So um, hopefully with that warning, you know, we don't interpret it that way. But uh, there is uh, something uh, in this Buddha's teachings on right effort that um, is, uh, um, you know, very determined, very clear, like this is what we do. And uh, that clarity and that kind of uh, emphatic nature of the teachings um, should be taken a little bit, uh, we understand, there's an intentionality, a resolve, even a commitment to staying present. And um, I love the word commitment. 
because apparently it comes from the Latin root, uh, like the same as mitten, uh, to hand or to touch. And so um, to, uh, to touch something, to stay in touch, commitment is staying in touch with your breathing, to make that commitment to stay there with the experience. So uh, in, uh, in the teachings of right effort, there are four right efforts. And many years ago, I heard that there was a meditation uh, practitioner who heard these teachings and came up with a, kind of an alternative or kind of came up with an example. Uh, she said, uh, when she heard the teaching, oh, um, uh, I'm, I kayak off in the, in the open ocean in Alaska. And this is exactly how we, the effort we have to make when we're up there. And she then uh, listed it. She said, when you're kayaking, uh, in the ocean, uh, stay out of danger. If you're, uh, um, so that's the first effort. So stay out of danger. Make the effort to stay out of danger. Uh, the second is if you're in danger, get out of the danger. The second effort. The third effort for a kayaker in that kind of dangerous situations, potentially, is learn good kayaking skills. And the fourth effort is to maintain them, keep them going. So in the Buddhist terminology, it's um, danger is unwholesome states of mind. So unwholesome activities of the mind that in and of themselves are afflictive. And we don't always see it's affli- they're afflictive because, uh, like for example, uh, resentment really hurts the resenter probably more than the person we're resentful t- toward. But we don't see that because we're so focused on the object of resentment. In mindfulness practice, we turn the attention around 180 degrees and we start seeing, feeling the cost. Oh, this is actually painful for me. So the unwholesome is always hurting the person who has them, but we, of, we don't often know that. And um, it's afflictive, it's called. So, the, um, so that's what the character called being in danger. So avoid being in danger. Avoid um, uh, unwholesome states of mind. The second is if unwholesome states of mind arise, uh, let go of them. Abandon the language is abandon them, and I'll talk more about that tomorrow. And then the third, uh, the uh, the skill part, um, the. the uh, learn skills, evoke wholesome states of mind, and um, and you know generosity and goodness and mindfulness and equanimity, patience. There's a whole slew of things that we can call upon and develop and strengthen. The paramis, the ten paramis, for example, the the seven factors of awakening, and um, and then so develop. Uh, you know, bring them on evoke them, learn those skills, and then uh, maintain them. But actually, we'll see, and when we talk about this uh, fourth right effort, it's more than just maintain them. It's to uh, expand them, grow them, help them to flourish within us. And uh, so avoid, abandon, evoke, and and uh, maintain 
the four kind of endeavors, engagements, activities we're doing with the mind. So it requires mindfulness. It requires mindfulness and and the skill, mindfulness of really recognizing what's going on in the mind. And the skill, one of the wholesome mental qualities, the ability, the wisdom to see the difference between mental states, activities, thoughts that we have that are afflictive to ourselves, that are somehow undermine us or debilitate us, and those which benefit us. And uh, this includes being able to navigate uh, the strong lawyers in the mind or the strong uh, uh, debate champions in the mind that have the ability to argue the case for why we should be resentful. The person deserves me to be resentful, or to be angry, or to be spiteful, or to be greedy, and to have more of something. Um, we can get kind of enamored in this world of the unwholesome, so we don't see and feel how detrimental it is to ourselves. And we might not know, and people who don't know that there's a much better alternative in the wholesome side of it all, um, including better ways to take care of ourselves and protect ourselves, will often feel like it's justified or required to continue down the route of the unwholesome. And, um, but it's uh, not required. In fact, uh, if we, uh, t- so some people it takes a long time to appreciate how much they're undermining themselves. They're at a dead end that doesn't go anywhere. Um, and... Um, you know, sometimes we have to kind of uh, redo the same unwholesome behavior many, many times to finally dawn on us. This is not really working, or not working well enough, or not working in the way that's helpful. So uh, the first one is to uh, avoid having unwholesome states of mind arise, and um, and whether that you know so. Greed, hate, and delusion, envy, conceit, covetousness, contempt, uh, cynicism, the um, you know the uh, maybe insolence, all kinds of things that that includes, and um, and to avoid. So how do we avoid them? First, uh, as we become more mindful of ourselves, what's happening, really staying in touch with ourselves, then we start recognizing. Uh, when we're unwholesome states of mind are not present. And so there's a heightened sensitivity to seeing when the stressful states arise. So, so then, we, you know, then we can let go of it, which is a second. But also we start recognizing um, uh, behavioral things that we do that might uh, be the condition for these unwholesome states to arise. Um, if uh, someone's addic- addicted to something on the web, uh, certain kinds of you know drives, um, then maybe stay away from websites that support that addiction. Uh, otherwise, you know it gets stronger and stronger. We get pulled into its vortex. If um, uh, if uh, you know just something as simple as if you walk down a street that has a lot of stores in it. And then you start thinking about, you know, all the things you want to buy, and then you find yourself in a store buying things, and you tend to buy things too much, then or, or impulsively, 
then maybe don't walk down that street if you know you have that tendency. If they t- take the long way around the block or something. If there are certain people for whom you find yourself, you know, becoming increase, having increasingly unwholesome states arise when you're with that person, then uh, be very careful how you are with that person. Maybe always show up well rested, well fed, well hydrated. Um, uh, come show up in a good state of mind, so you can kind of withstand the example or the atmosphere of someone who is always angry and it gets you angry or something. And um, or limit how much time you spend. So you notice that if you spend half an hour with the person, an hour it's okay, but more than that, then you get grumpy. And then once you're grumpy, things start going downhill. So you know, be careful. Monitor yourself at the input, what you do, the behavior you have. And make sure you get enough sleep. Uh, be sure you get you know the basic, healthy things you do for yourself. And um, exercise, whatever it takes, so that you are protecting yourself from the arising of unwholesome states of mind. And uh, might I say also one of those things is to meditate. That uh, meditation is a protective um, uh, uh, means. That uh, meditating every day uh, really can protect you from getting swept away or caught up or even, uh, even, uh, uh, you know, in unwholesome states of mind. So it takes, it takes some, this is, so, on one hand, there's mindfulness, and then there's the right effort to avoid unwholesome states to arise. And that avoidance involves using your intelligence. It does involve thinking it out and planning and considering and reflecting. How, did, how is it that these unwholesome states arise in me? And what behaviors, what conditions, what context does, it, does this happen? And what can I do to change my behavior, to change how I live, what I do, to protect it. And um, so a wise Dharma life is one that actually reflects in a good, healthy, beneficial way the kind of behavior we're doing and what behaviorally, what can be changed. Uh, If we're only relying on mindfulness without changing our behavior, we're probably not giving ourselves the full opportunity of what this practice can do. Uh, so, um, so you might, uh, over this next day, uh, consider this first right effort, the effort to avoid the arising of unwholesome, unskillful, unbeneficial states of mind, activities of mind. And uh, see, plan ahead now. If you are, think about the rest of the day for a few minutes and what do you think would be a good way to go about your day to optimize that avoidance? Um, what are the contexts and conditions that bring it about? And what can you do? What can you change behaviorally? So for this day, today, uh, there's less chance for unwholesome states to arise. And it might be as simple as if you're going someplace that uh, you give yourself extra time to get there. So there's a much less chance that you feel hurried uh, or angry at the traffic or whatever it might be because the extra time built in a kind of ease and, uh, to the whole endeavor. So 
um, giving yourself lots of time to do what you have to do uh, is one way to do this avoidance. So thank you. And uh, tomorrow we'll do the second factor of right effort. Thank you.